Welcome to Fear the Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for Fear the Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 5, titled Cobalt. We, we did a second watch of this. Maybe you did a third, but I only did two. I feel like that's all I needed. Is it confession time? I haven't even started peeling skin, Jim. <laughs> uh, did you watch it two times or three? What'd you think? What'd you think the second time through? I was so... It's weird because I don't. I feel like I have to see next week's to appreciate what they're doing here because hmm. this studio, the, this sports stadium that Barbershop goes to at the end of the episode, it can't be just a MacGuffin. There has to be something interesting going on there. And they decided to not let us in on that little thing. So, well, the interesting thing is 2,000 walkers, 2,000 skin bags, in my opinion. So he's going to use that as a weapon somehow. He's going yeah, to unleash we have... the beast, and that's going to cause chaos, and in the chaos, he will thrive. I think so. Okay. We, we have a lot of, of emails that I pared down. So I just um, feel stupid, because I was trying to think of like what kind of super weapon or what kind of evidence or what, but you're right. 2,000 yeah, yeah. walkers, these these clowns can't handle 20 in a library. 2,000 walkers yeah. is just going to be... It's at minimum a distraction. It's at worst the end of this entire... Safe zone. <laughs> I mean, what is that? Pro- approximately fourteen point something times their in- their total uh, company zombie kill. No, no, no. So I I think I figured out what that was. I think that was his personal kill count. It's got to be. There's no way he has less than eighty three kills in this scenario. Okay, that's, right. That yeah, makes a little suppose, more sense. I suppose. Or I was thinking, is that his like four man detachment of the company, like his personal squad. He said it's a company record, so maybe it might be his his little group there, mm-hmm. the the guys who travel in that Humvee or whatever. Right. Um but or it, his, it could also be lieutenant, just that's the thing like a lieutenant is a commander of like a platoon. So that would make mm. a lot more sense that if that was like you know 88 kills for, you know, a dozen guys or so. Yeah. I still that seems a little low, but <laughs> yeah. If it were four dudes, okay, all right. Four dudes, okay, four dudes, because that's twenty apiece. That's still yeah. pretty low. This is Los Angeles. It seems like it. And what the fuck? Especially okay. when they're looking We're for reasons this. to kill. Look, look, I think you're right. That's his individual kill count. It's gotta be. So he's killed about ten per day, essentially. Okay, sounds about right. A little less. That still seems low <laughs> for a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I know. For, for I know, another man. guy, this is not a guy that's avoiding contact. This is a guy who's like, and I guess I guess I mean, that's kind of he's... a stunt he was pulling. Yeah, more so than this is just what they do all the time. Although their banter suggests that. Yeah, he's like, I, I don't know. So we we have a lot of emails talking about him. Okay, uh, and his the, the the army and like there. I had to make some brutal brutal cuts this week because mm. we had a ton of email and most of it was about kind of the minutia of the military and the idea of can a zombie apocalypse happen? Mm. Will they get overrun? And I feel like we've talked about that so much now that yeah, a lot of people are still making a lot of good points and I acknowledge all those points. I just, I don't have the heart to read them. It's, it's interesting, especially the mili- the ones with military expertise. And we got some people with a lot yes. of military expertise. It's, mm. uh, and they, they, vehemently... their confidence is high. Well, I was going to say there's, there's disagreement amongst the ranks. It's, it's almost true. as if, they're citizen soldiers of different backgrounds and political <laughs> spectrums of uh-huh. ideas and different loyalties and yeah. levels of bravery and courage. In this yeah, country. it's almost like they're real people is what yeah. I'm getting at. <laughs> they're not just action figures with kung fu swivel grips. Sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I, so on second watch, I have some major problems with this episode. I have some things that I liked about this episode. I don't know. I'm starting to... Here's the- the, to warm up to some characters. Okay. There's just a lot of times where I was left on my notes, like, why should I care about this scene? And yeah. what really breaks down was, like, Chris 
and uh, Alicia, Alicia yeah. which there's some interesting things that they're doing there, but I don't know why I should care. Sure. You know, it's like yeah. off a show, if, if you've got these very minor characters that they've given me no reason to care about, and then it's one thing to do an in-depth character dive when you're three seasons in on the main characters. It's another mm-hmm. thing to do, like, you know, spend five minutes having them dicking around in a house when you don't really know why you should care. Yeah, I just, I imagine it's tough for a teenager out there in yeah. the zombie apocalypse because you're sidelined, right? Yeah. You're not going to be doing anything interesting and you can't go anywhere. Yeah. There's nothing to do. It's it's a weird episode for me because it's in the no man's land for me. In, in Walking Dead, I want it to be awesome or I want it to be hilariously bad. Uh-huh. And there wasn't a lot to sink your teeth into either way. So yeah. it kind of left it's, it's lukewarm. Okay. I'm with you. All right. Let's let's get into the recap. Okay, we open with uh, a very handsome person who I'm going to call Tuxedo Man. Uh, he yeah. he essentially launches into a Glenn Gary Glenn, Glenn Ross mm-hmm. speech, uh, talking about buyers versus closers, smacking coffee cups out of poor uh, Zach Galifianakis' hands. <laughs> insurance is a fraud. Insurance he goes is on a fraud. Yeah, he goes like you just. Yeah, insurance is worthless. If you're not if you're buying insurance and it doesn't cover the zombie apocalypse, it just set it on fire. And he can't it's abide wor- people who sell it. Apparently, sure. There's only one thing he can't sell, and it's insurance. <laughs> he could sell guns. Oh, he to could foreign sell countries. It. He could he, sell it. He just has a shred of human decency. Well, I mean, what are the other things he could sell? Children into slavery, <laughs> like plenty of things that he could sell, but not insurance. Uh, and he's, he essentially says, no one is covered for the wolf at the door. Now, this is the most interesting sentence in the episode because mm. it's yet another canine reference that is adjacent to one Nick Clark. Yeah. Okay. He's modified, and and they want me, uh, they want me to buy. I think the transformation from dog to wolf there, unless this is just them mixing metaphors or not even paying attention to the language of the dialogue that they're using. Mm-hmm. But then they kind of like pan down the Nick, and he's just sitting there with crazy hair, and <laughs> you're like, almost like he wasn't paying attention, and he hears his name, and you, hmm, what? Yeah, oh. like, that's yeah. like something from a Pauly Shore movie. <laughs> That whole can, like, smash. You just need to hear, like, the record scratching. Uh-huh. What skills? Um, so, yeah. Anyway, this guy pushes Zach into sobbing because he says, well, at least your wife's hot because she'll be able to sell her body for protection. That, yeah. That's something. He starts crying, and there is no crying at Camp Omega. And he's he's yeah. dragged away. Uh, Wait, does every person who gets angry get dragged away? He wasn't angry. He was like, you can get angry, sure. Upset, Just don't like, be a pussy and cry. All he was doing is shaking the fence and weeping. No, I'm no. sure there are a lot of people weeping. They're missing their families. They're if you're if you are a woman or a boy under the age of ten, you you're can allowed weep. to cry okay. at Camp Omega. Everybody else needs to toughen the fuck up <laughs> or, right. or be reeducated. God damn it! All right, that's so what I think. No, nobody's asking the one question that I had going into this. What's I haven't seen it anywhere. No. No, I know what's wrong with that. Uh, why is this guy in the cages? He's clearly not sick. He, he, he seems like a bit of a rabble rouser. He did. Um, so I, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about the military in this situation at the moment. Um, I I understand they're doing their duty. I understand maybe they're, doing it without talking to the people mm-hmm. um, and telling them why they're doing the things they're doing. And so that could make people upset. But I don't 
Sure. Maybe this guy comes back from Vegas. He's hungover. He's got a bit of a fever. He's he's a little out of it, and they go up, toss him in the cages. I don't know. Like I said, there's a couple opportunities for flashbacks here in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, that would fill in some of these gaps in maybe interesting ways. The other questions I have, what? why? Why does he have a key? What could that key possibly be to unless it's the cage? Well, then that's and stupid. in that case, why the fuck would the military guy right. give him the key for right. anything? That's essentially giving the kingdom away for a Rolex. What are they thinking? Like, uh, so that key can't be for the cage, Soldier, right? you can't take away my buddy Nick. Uh, yeah, I can. And then five minutes later, he comes back and Nick's back in the cage with him. God damn it. Why'd I give you that key? <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd never traded for this watch. <laughs> All is, I can do is tell time. It is a nice watch, though. <laughs> I don't know. So, so I don't it, get it. That's they, real. They, dumb. they cast this guy, and he's got a, such a visually visual, interesting visual. Yep. And he's striking in that suit, and he's got this voice that's like seductive and hypnotic. And they're counting on us to be like that's is that's the only reason you'd be interested in this guy so far. And I'm super he's interested. Kind of a, he's kind of a mystery. He's like yeah. uh, Marcellus Wallace and. And Pulp Fiction. There's something going on and there's with this something guy and you don't really quite understand. To what extent? Some kind of flash. Some kind of yeah. something in the works he's got going. And I really want to know what it is. Okay. So he's one of the most exciting characters on the show at the moment. And yes. we just met him. Yes. And, then, you and know, he's that's paired the with the other most exciting characters. So awesome. Ri- risky, risky move to do that, though. And I think so maybe that's what The Walking Dead is in a nutshell. Like they take these, again... Pretty ballsy to just cast somebody and be like, this guy is so interesting when he walks in the door to people are going to, even though we give them no reason to, mm-hmm. they're going to be super inv- invested in what he's going to do next. But that works. Like, but if Lost you ca- is built on that, right? I know, but I'm <laughs> saying, like, if the dialogue and the casting was just a notch, yeah. to, it, would be, it, would, we, it would be something we'd be making par- parodies of. It's true. And, and it's worked a couple of times. It's worked with Daniel, I felt. And it's worked with this guy now. Do you think that's like maybe actually it is kind of a failure, but they go with it for such gusto? Like I said, I mean this that's is true. a pair, this yeah. is a Saturday Night Live Glengarry Glenn Ross skit to begin with, mm-hmm. and they just embrace it. And I guess you after about thirty seconds of you stop laughing and getting in, uh, sucked into the scene. Yeah, there's something I find inherently interesting about a character who seems to know more than he should about any given situation is just that perceptive or that intelligent Mm. that he can read into Doug and say, this guy is fucked. I'm getting him out of here. And here's exactly how I'm going to do it. Cause I know what his weaknesses are. Well, that's the thing. Like I like that character. I like that too. And I'm not sure why we didn't get to see any of that with Nick. It might wait Nick doing that to other people. No, I want to see this guy try it with Nick. Why? I want to see why he thinks he, Nick's chief qualification seems to be you're an addict Mm -hmm. and you know how to manipulate people to get what you want. Yeah. But so don't you mentally test your addict to make sure he's able to do the things you want him to do? You would think there's all kinds like I get it like heroin addicts. That's the gold standard for addicts. But I I, I'm this maybe he's about to do that. I don't know what his plan is. Yeah. Well. Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. Next episode, he could. I mean, they're still in the cage together. But so. you introduce this guy as someone that's like psychologically breaking someone down, and you introduce him to an, a psychologically unstable addict. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see what what would happen with that. Maybe he wants to wait until Nick turns, pull his bones out of his body, and attack the guards when they come in. There you go. I've there seen that on The Walking Dead before. He's probably got some strong leg bones. Yeah, be pretty sharp if you broke them off. <laughs> All right. Uh, next scene is uh, Ophelia's pissed. She's outside the main gate. 
She's hurling bottles and insults at these uh, soldiers and tries to rally the neighbors. Like, they took our people. Let's get them back. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sergeant is dispatched to put her down or do something to her. Take her. Detain her. Right. Like, I don't think they're putting people down. Okay. Not yet. Humanely at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Exactly. Uh, But but the the handsome soldier says, no, no, no. Let me talk to her, Sarge. And he's able to convince him to let her him reason with her and but but we also see some mutiny in the ranks like there's some of the younger soldiers like fuck this i ain't doing this no more mm-hmm. um but they are they have their patriotism uh, impressed upon them with uh, the lieutenants and sergeant's fist it seems like yeah anything you want to talk about this particular development um, so i i think the the turnabout here is fairly harsh for this poor soldier you know he's He's drawn in by Ophelia, who's clearly out just for medicine for yeah. her, for, you know, people in the community, her mother, whatever. Uh, he's trying to help her here. Instead of getting detained, he's going to deal with it. Uh, and he, he ends up getting his skin peeled off. Sure. <laughs> so I feel a little bad that some of these military guys are trying to do things that are helpful and good. Yeah. Uh, even if maybe their motives aren't totally pure. Uh, and they're they're getting beaten in the face for it they're getting their skin torn off by civilians sure you know there there's two sides to this yeah and yeah. neither of them are pretty what do you think of daniel putting his daughter in this position because we saw when she goes out and starts i mean so this so this is a ploy to bring him back it's obvious isn't it i guess it must be because they don't show daniel like skulking in the shadows no. waiting to capture this guy no she goes out in front gates and agitates yeah. until they ta- start to take her away and they count on the handsome soldier being there yeah. having the balls to interfere doing so successfully if any of those things do not happen then she just gets carts carted off the camp omega and we're ne- we never see her again yeah now daniel's got to save two people seems like a hail mary on his part or something that totally <sighs> hmm yeah, I don't know. Again, There's a term for that that I can't remember. It, it's a plan that must go exactly like the Batman gambit the or whatever. Gambit, isn't Xanatos. It? Okay, it Thanatos. might be. Thanatos. Like it's like if if yeah, everything, yeah. every possibility is death except for the one that works. Yeah, and it always works. <laughs> Ninety or seventy percent of the time, it works all the time. Uh, so Travis and Maddie are in their house. They're talking about what they should do to get their people back, and Chris is being a massive douche. But that's offset about uh, with the fact that Maddie herself was a giant douche, instantly throwing Liza under the bus for everything that Nick's ever done, and blaming <laughs> her. That's the root cause of failure in this situation, Maddie. Mm-hmm. And he asks his son to apologize for Maddie, and he's like, "Fuck you, Dad. Go be with your family." And I'm um, like, literally, that's that's a fairly good impression of this guy. Go be with your family, Dad. No, <laughs> no. And then. Yeah, that's right uh, and then just as I think he's reached match, maximum douchitude, Maddie <laughs> rushes in and starts in on him. Because he's like, hey, uh, if Chris comes around, tell him I've gone after his mother. And Nick. Like, Jesus, man. Yes, yes, and Nick. He's got, he is he is a man with no family. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Two families, but no family. He's got family. double the family divided by zero or something. <laughs> the universe explodes. Uh-huh. He goes off to see Moyers with this devastation as a backdrop. Yeah, I honestly kind of like how he handled Chris up until it was like, now go apologize. I I think that might be the right thing for him to say. Yeah. 
but Chris doesn't like it. That's the it. thing. Like, I'm being super critical of Chris and Maddie, but those are all human reactions. Like, yeah, oh, totally. Your mom gets jacked. Your and she leaves you. Like, that's his biggest jack. That's his biggest point. Is yes. she fucking left me? It Dad. wasn't about what all is this, this shit. It's about this other stuff. I'm not important here. Sure, everyone else is. What sure. the fuck? Yeah, no. Yeah, totally sympathize with Chris's reaction. In, in but fact, he's still a douche. It's but but the thing is, is Maddie. Like, we're supposed to be. We're more sympathetic to Maddie, but I'm not sure why because she's. Older, more experienced, has a little bit more perspective on this, and mm. she still is kind of as manipulative and douchey to Travis as, as yeah, Chris is. That's true. So, what's her excuse? So, anyway, back at Camp Omega, Lisa, Liza rather, is nursing soldiers with minor wounds and trauma. My first eyebrow that goes up is I see all soldiers and no civilians getting treated. Huh. <laughs> huh. Interesting. <laughs> Although that little insight is completely blown away when you find out that they did, in fact, treat Griselda. So. Yeah, Grizzy, as I call her. Grizzy? Gr- Grizzy. <laughs> Grizzy? Yeah. Uh, the doctor, I think her name, what's her name, Exeter? Exeter, yeah. Exeter? Is it really? <laughs> no, it's not. That's, it's something like that, I'm though. pretty sure Exeter is the head bad guy from Plan 9 from Outer Space or something I, like something that. Something like that, yeah. It's uh, definitely a sci-fi reference. But it's yeah, sure, it's Dr. Exeter, mm. and uh, she says... Dr. V'ger. <laughs> she says, look... Uh, you need to focus on your work because we're busy and I want to refuse to give you any meaningful updates on your friends or family. And and I'm going to ignore what are good questions. And then I'm going to say, why don't you trust me mm-hmm. later on in this episode? And yeah. pff, whatever. Exeter, you're annoying. That seems to be the MO for anyone in the official organization here in what I would call the government yeah. Uh, they just don't They don't want to talk about the things they don't want to talk about. You know, and again, I'll say this for hopefully the last time. It would be super interesting to actually have some real drama here mm-hmm. rather than to make things like this doctor is obviously bullshitting Liza. Like, just like everyone else. You know, um, I, I feel like I have more appreciation for Slabtown now. Mm-hmm. You know, like as heavy handed and hammy as I thought that plot line was, uh, there were some moments where you were like, oh, well, maybe, maybe, bet, you know, maybe this isn't such a bet. And then, then the rapes began um, sure. and the slaps began. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm not even getting that honeymoon with Camp Omega. It's pretty much this is fucked from the get. And Exeter is yeah. up to no good and she's shady. All it takes is nine days. <sighs> yeah. So Maddie wanders off and finds a suicide note and these other Susan mementos in Alicia's room. So she goes off to investigate Susan's house. Uh, she goes down to the creepy basement with a faulty flashlight so we can get some of our scared jill- jilly willies in. And also she walks in just as the moment the team barbershop becomes team, team Guantanamo and is like, Jacques uh So the, sa- the handsome soldier tries to placate the Maddies and Daniels of the world. Um, was saying like, hey, I'll tell you whatever you want. I don't know mm-hmm. where your family's located. Um, and Ophelia thinks they've actually kidnapped this guy to make a, a trade. Yeah. And Daniel reveals to Maddie that, oh, no, no, no. I've I'm, been lying to her for years. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually a bad dude, and I'm going to torture the shit out of this guy to get the information yeah. that we need. I stand by the idea that maybe they should have let us think for a little bit longer that he was on the right side of this thing given us those stories from the the same perspective that Ophelia got him and then yeah. do the old switcheroo they're just but. in a it's they're in a curious hurry to get to a certain point in the plot it feels like don't you 
Like they, yeah, they had they had an idea of how the series was going to open and how it was going to end, and they wanted to sprint to that line because there's a lot of things, you know, nine whole days that get skipped over and kind of abbreviated. I agree. I would have liked to seen this a little bit, you know, more shades of gray, trying to figure out, you know, what kind of man Daniel is. Yeah, I think the the idea of his character is really strong. You know, a guy who's seen enough shit that when this rolls around, he's probably not going to be that intimidated he's probably mm-hmm. going to understand exactly how things are going to play out because mm-hmm. um, he's been on the wrong side of it before um so maddie broadly is in the don't ask don't tell camp when it comes to torture and so let me ask you this do you think fear the walking dead is ca- capable of a nuanced critique of, torture of anything policy? of anything no because that's no. the only thing that kind of is saving this for me is i'm reading between the lines and i'm starting to see like maybe there is some they're making some kind of broader point beyond like I the Jack don't... Bauer torture always effective gets you what you need morally excusable are they because I mean doesn't he doesn't it work in the end I mean I don't know so let's 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 push okay on. let's push on before we get this this heady shit all right uh, Moyers is with Travis and uh, Travis is trying to have his little mayor mayor powwow with him. And he's like, look, I'm trying to keep these kids in line. And the way to do that is to keep them on mission and gung-ho. And look at me. I've got 83 kills. Or maybe the whole company does. Or maybe it's just my platoon or whatever. Yeah. You know, morale. Now here, take this handkerchief and cry into it. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, he is... um, I don't know what you would call this type of management technique. Man, You know, asshole management. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what that's what he's got. That's the, the, what's, the sermon's being preached in his shop. And he's not going to have any rivals... And Travis says, hey, look, um, you took 11 of our people. This is a tight-knit community. There's lots of kids, lots of families. If you don't uh, deal with it, you're going to have everybody at the gates. And Moyers sees that as a threat and says, all right, man, I'm going to take you to see the doctor. And we're like, great, this is actually going to be interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to happen. And you know what? That's the thing. Like, This is as good as a scene as this Moyers guy is going to get. He Mm -hmm. actually... He is actually doing a really good job portraying this particular yes. dude. I was going to say, I hate the character. I love the actor. He's doing he, a great he job. He is doing, he, he is really good at, at giving this performance. I just don't think the character is as interesting as it could have been. I, I agree with you, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. Because with the material he's, he's given, he is crushing it. Totally. I mean, that line where he's like, I can do anything I want. I've got guns. Yeah, yeah. Like, the way, the matter-of-fact way he delivers yes. that, the carefree, like, don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big part of his character is he, I mean, he's the big swinging dick here, right? He's apparently the highest-ranked officer. Is is a lieutenant officer? I don't even yes, know. Yes, he is an officer. It's the lowest officer, right? The lieutenant? I suppose lowest ranking officer. I don't know. Like, but he's the highest ranking guy. The Navy. Here. These are naval officers. So yes, let's no, go I, have, I have no idea. Uh, he's he's uh, the highest ranking guy here, as far as I can tell. Um, he's got all the guns. These civilians have nothing. They're dependent completely on him. So, uh, like, he just doesn't give a fuck. You know, yeah. he's doing his job. He's he's he knows Cobalt is coming. Sure. So who the fuck cares about these civilians? I'm just going to get when my job done. When does he know Cobalt is coming, though? Because that seems like Some that's point something in this that happens episode. this episode. Yeah. And I, I mean, see, they're calling it the on thing, the radio like, when I he's getting tortured. really made a good faith effort to try to listen to these um, military calls coming over the uh, walkie-talkies. And it's very hard to make out. 
Yeah. And they're, none of them are subtitled, at least uh, in the live feed wasn't, and neither was the uh, on-demand. I mean, they are subtitled. I'm saying when the transmissions are subtitled, it has, like, brackets, indistinct man on a walkie-talkie. Sure. Or indistinct broadcast or something like that. They're uselessly subtitled. Yes. Yeah. So I was trying to get, like, a little bit when the cobalt started happening and all that stuff, but to see if you're right, that would also play a little bit into his cavalier attitude. But I feel like he's, it's not at this point because why is he fucking around with Travis? If cobalt's already been declared, I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't seem to line up. I mean, at that point I would just tell tell Travis, yeah, nine o'clock, we're going to bring a truck back. It's going to have your wife or your ex-wife and her, his wife and your boy Everyone's going to be fine, you know. There's it's it's overcrowded. We've 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 treated these, and we're going to bring. Just tell them whatever the hell they want to hear, and then it's not your problem at oh nine hundred tomorrow morning. Yeah, so clearly he's got to know that cobalt is a thing, though, right? Oh yeah. Like when they call cobalt, he's got to know what to do. If you see if you if you give order sixty six and your clone troopers <laughs> like the fuck is he talking about? Yeah. it's not a good code word. <laughs> not effective. So yeah, he's got to know what so, cobalt is. So he's got to know about it. I'm I'm trying to gauge the the success of the military operation here like he clearly is all swagger and it doesn't seem to be warranted his guys are staying up 50 hours they're getting banged up according to them uh it seems like they're losing guys every so often uh quite a bit more often than they would like I have a question, a follow up onto that. Uh-huh. We see in the Liza Memorial Wing of the uh Camp Omega all these soldiers are lying, and they have various wounds. Mm-hmm. And then later in the episode, we find out that if you have a bite or a scratch, you get captive bolt gun right in the forehead. Yeah. What is wounding these soldiers? Are they shooting? Friendly them? fire. Are they, are they shooting each other? <laughs> are they fragging know. each other with the grenades because they're throwing grenades like five feet away from fucking zombies when they've got they're... guns in their hands? I. I thought it was interesting that you got all these soldiers and they got all these horrific wounds. And I'm like, are the zombies using mortars? What's going on here? Yeah. So I I think the bolt thing only happens when they die, right? Because Grizzy dies. Well, that one soldier was alive when she says, this guy's got a bite. And then they haul him off. Cart him off, yeah. No, I don't think so, so with maybe. with Omega next morning. I don't think they're yeah. Being, what is harming these? I don't soldiers. know, man. And it's I looked at some of the wounds, and they're like you know your typical war wounds. I'm like, how the yeah. fuck are you got tip blown off legs? Like people just dropping grenades accidentally? I don't know. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Uh, so anyway, Daniel is torturing the handsome soldier, and he gives a speech about how Ophelia is this innocent being. And he's and he's talking. Is this cold blooded, menacing speech about his daughter being innocent? And he gives in this dead mackerel eyed performance. Mm-hmm. And he starts getting out all of his tools. And the handsome officer or soldier, rather, just spills the beans. He's like, "All right, uh, here's where they're being held. It's it's right here. You don't have to torture me." <laughs> and Daniel's going to torture him anyway. And I'm like, "What the fuck?" Just to be sure. But to be sure of what? <laughs> to be sure. <laughs> To be sure that he's still the man he was. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like, this is, you know, this is very Jack Bauer view of torture. Like, I'm not saying torture yeah. is not ever effective, but I think it seems clear to me after a decade of, of, of seeing it in the field and, and reading reports on it that it's it's useful in very limited circumstances 
where you can immediately verify what the person's telling you. Mm. Since he's got to go on a fucking field trip to do that, we'll then it seems like that. torturing him is going to like, okay, well, the real story is not working, so I'll just make start making shit up. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I, it's... I mean, make up a story that's going to send him to somewhere where Daniel's going to get killed, right? Like, <sighs> yeah. go verify this, you son of a bitch. He's sure. in... He's... I don't know. He's in downtown LA at a Starbucks. That's where your wife's being held. But also, there's to make this kind of work, I think the handsome soldier would have to give 10 times the performance he gives here. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of all over the place. Like, okay, he's getting torched, getting his, his, his skin peeled. That's fairly horrific. But then his final scenes, like, I guess Daniel has just broken him. Because I he's guess. just like, he's, you know... When when Travis comes in, he's purely kind of listless about, I need to get help. You need to get me out of here. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like he wasn't even involved in his situation. <laughs> he, yeah, he like Daniel's saying all the stuff about how, you know, fundamentally, foundationally transformative this experience is. And I get, I'm getting nothing, none of that. Hmm. I don't know. I was deeply like, if you're going to go the standard Jack Bauer torture route, I, I don't feel you can in 2015. Something you have to yeah. have something interesting or something to say about it. And I'll get to a little bit about maybe they are doing that and just doing a shitty job of it later. The interesting thing, yeah, is Daniel. Uh, there's a look on his face that I'm not comfortable with throughout this thing. Sure. No, he's uh, Bolton by way of South America. Yeah. Uh, is that what you want to talk about later? or Maybe. I'm not sure exactly okay. what you're wanting to talk about. I- I'm just saying I don't think he's all that uh, reluctant to participate in this torture. Mm. See okay. something on his face that tells me he kind of gets off on this. All right, all right, that's a little bit the way I'm thinking. Okay. Anyway, back to Omega Base. Travis is mocked by the soldiers for his mission, which is kind of funny. It's like you're going back for a woman who's not even your wife, for an old woman who's not even your mother, and mm-hmm. for a boy who's not even your son. Like, dude, you are f- you you are <laughs> you are living whatever the opposite of the dream is. And yeah. he's like, I know, kill me. <laughs> uh. So the lieutenant then sees that there's a zombie by the side of the road, and he was going to force Travis to kill a nice zombie lady, Kimberly. Yeah. Hardworking waitress at the local diner. Uh-huh. I think I think Travis was a donut man before the shit hit the fan. Sure. Probably knew Kimberly. Stopped by there every morning during his jogs. And I know, I mean, they're talking at this weird, like, thing with this black and white morality business where he's like, you know, if you think... If you can't shoot them, it's because you think they're human. If you think they're human, then we're a bunch of murderers. No, you're soldiers. Like, even if they're still human and they're just sick, they're still attacking and killing people. And your job is to attack and kill the people who are trying to attack and kill us. So what I don't... I think the larger point here is, look, Travis, we're doing a job that none of you are capable of doing. You, most of all. Yeah. So don't give us shit. Yeah. And I I was trying to think about that as being the point, because part of me is like surely the lieutenant's being facetious when he's saying this 900-yard shot is easy. I don't care what scope Did he got. Did he say it like, was 900 yards? Yes. Fuck. Yes, with the five-mile crosswind. And I'm like, I don't care what scope you got and how much <laughs> bipod, you stick a civilian behind that, and they're not going to hit. Think of how little yeah. you have to be off in a 900-yard trajectory to fucking miss a human-sized target. Get the fuck. So I'm, then I started thinking uh-huh. that this was a joke. He, It's not just that you can't kill but even if you tried you don't have the skill to do it 
Yeah. So it's like it's a two prong. Like even if Travis was able to follow through, there's no way. But he needs to summon the Mamba. That's what he needs know. to do. <laughs> but it kind of blunts it by giving him an impossible task, like hand him a pistol and tell him to go and kill this. Say, like, hey, we got ten of us. Ten on one. You're no problem. Take a pistol. It's it's your turn. Yeah. I don't know. I thought this scene was kind of dumb and dopey. <laughs> and also, it's like open your mouth so your fucking retinas don't cave in, but but jam the scope right against your eye. Uh-huh. I don't know about the 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 concussive force detaching your retina, but I do know that that. 50 caliber rifle going to jam you right in the eye socket <laughs> when it comes kicking back on you. Don't clench your ass when you fire. Your intestines will spill out. <laughs> what? What? It's just the cold, harsh Think about baseball when you pull the trigger, else you might pop an erection. Because <laughs> this is going to be kind of badass. Yeah. Uh, oh, anyway. Back at camp, Omega. Lisa sees a soldier with a bite, and this medical corpsman immediately starts releasing some sort of gas canister. And I remember watching the live watch. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Hmm. Uh, are they, they have some kind of zombie neutralizing gas or they got some kind of sarin gas and that's the thing they're like killing people with poison is going to blow up in their face. It's actually a lot simpler than that, but Mm -hmm. that was a little bit of a mystery that I thought was interesting. Got Adam Savage making the humane, uh, ways (laughs) to put people down. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Exeter is explaining that these zero tolerance policy for bite wounds, um, and again, like, you know, where are all these wounded soldiers coming from without bite wounds? They've got oh, man. limbs missing. They've blast marks over them again. I think the zombies, uh, the zombie soldiers have that like touch echoes of life thing going on. Is it possible that any of that is from the riots? Like they've picked up the, I mean, it's nine days, days into it in yeah. the martial law when they've been roving LA and killing anyone who won't leave immediately. That's what I'm thinking. It's. I, I don't know. I'm try- I'm looking. I'm stretching for any kind of way I can see all these soldiers being hurt. I don't know. Uh, so still in route to Camp Omega, there is a library that's been overrun with zombies and some soldiers that are pinned down. Uh, and the mayor, the Moyer squad is going to go to the rescue. When they arrive, I'm thinking, how exactly did these guys get overrun? Because mm-hmm. I've seen Glenn, Rick, Daryl, and Sasha go into way hairier places yeah, with shittier guns and less protective clothing, with Pringles and cans on the end of their guns. Like, come on, man! They're they're making they're MacGyvering makeshift weapons. Yeah, half of them are using melee and or crossbows. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, man. there's a one point where Moyers is saying, "Cheer up, son! I've been to places where they shoot back." And I'm like, "You're right. You have." <laughs> so what the fuck? How happened? many wars have we lost against an enemy that doesn't shoot back? He can just bite and scratch you. Yeah. If we went to war against a million fucking Bengal tigers, I'm pretty sure we'd prevail, and they're way better at killing us. Even if we went to, yeah. with a one million Bengal tigers, they bite you, and you will turn into Bengal tiger. <laughs> I still think we win that. But yeah. I know you, you don't. You're, I'm baiting the audience, and you don't want me to do that because you're 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 tired of the email. No, no, no. Bring it on. The Bengal tiger email, I'm fine with. Okay. Like if we want to discuss the logistics of a Bengal tiger human war, you can send an email that that frames the United States military's firepower in terms of Bengals Mm -hmm. per bullet killed, and preferably the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. Yeah. Because that's terrifying. A Bengal tiger with helmet and football pads Uh on. Now (laughs) I'm starting to think we'll have a problem. Yeah. Especially if they can bite you and and turn you into other Bengals with football Mm -hmm. pads on. I don't know how you stop that. Anyway, let's move on. Good. Good. Uh, <laughs> there's a speech with Daniel where he talks about the man at the blade, the man in the chair, that they're no different. 
Um, and he, when he was a young man, he was offered a choice. He can be the man in the chair or the man with the blade. Except they are different. So different, in fact, that he won't tell his daughter that he was the man with the blade. <laughs> right, right, Daniel? They are different. Come well, on. Well, you know, she, you know, nine-year-old girls can't understand that <laughs> subtle difference. I don't understand it. Uh, he asked him, where, what is this cobalt bullshit? And he's skinning the man alive. And it's, it's pretty horrific. And as you know, I'm pretty squeamish still. That's the one brand of horror that I have not been able to really desensitize myself to, the mm. torture porn horror. Yeah. But I felt this was all fairly bloodless and unaffecting. And I think it's mostly because I didn't understand what Daniel was trying to do. This was kind of outside of the envelope of which I thought Daniel could operate. And the handsome man was just giving kind of a listless, torture performance. Yeah. Like, scream, thrash about, man. You're getting your arm flayed. Yeah, like I thought maybe he was Luke Skywalker. This was the wrong arm to be torturing. I'm mm. not sure. Could be. He's got the bionic arm you're saying? Yeah. I don't know. Again, I'm fairly sensitive to this stuff, and I found it pretty kind of uh, meh. Alicia and Chris are bond over their shared love of fucking with rich people's possessions. Mm-hmm. And she's getting all dolled up. Uh, and he comes up the stairs, and she is wearing this like really low slung back dress. Uh, and she's also slipped the, sh- the straps off her shoulders, so she's revealing maximum back flesh. And Chris comes and sees yeah. her, and he's kind of like, uh, this is kind of hot, but you're my fake sister, and we've had a we. He just elbowed me in the face for trying to save you from a zombie. <laughs> I'm fucking out of here. And she looks back over her shoulder, and she's thinking, what? Man, I have no idea. Like, I, I think this is a scene of her... Maybe gaining some confidence uh, in a kind of weird, I'm underage, but I'm going to follow in Ophelia's footsteps sort of way. I was wondering that myself because... I don't like anything about this scene as far as, like, where this could be going. Yeah. I... Yeah. For one, that. For two, we had way too many people emailing in and shipping these two. And I'm like... They are practically brother and sister. I know they're not, but they are. So this came came over the top of the lake too. It's gross. I don't care. Seth and I just binged top of the lake last weekend, and there Uh, is a little bit of debatable brother sister love going on in those. And we were like having like, okay, is this uh actually creepy or only creepy because we're putting our own experiences on it, like? You know, what are the biological creepy aspects? What are the odds of producing malformed children? What, oh, what is the zero. social taboo of incest? Why does it exist? I, yeah. I think in this yeah, case... It's, the, it's kind of creepy. Like, I mean, it's it's not incest, clearly. No. But it's still, at the very least, awkward. So I, I was reading emails, and there were a bunch of these. It's like, you um, know you shouldn't fuck your coworkers? Uh-huh. That's like, your family's like super co-workers. Yeah. So yeah. you shouldn't fuck them. Like, even if there's a, like, you know, um, your company's going to merge. They're not merged yet. Maybe it's a bad idea to go fuck the, someone <laughs> uh-huh. from the other company because yeah. it's going to be, you're going to be eating at the same break room next week. Yeah. That's where I come down on it. It's kind of weird by proxy. Completely. I agree. And and at the very but there least. There is no thing particularly legally or ethically no. or morally wrong with it that I can tell. Uh, yeah, I understand that. Here, Here's the thing. So somebody emailed in and they said, okay, so maybe it's not wrong in any of those ways, but at the very least, it produces some really awkward Thanksgivings, right? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. 
Let's say they live happily ever after as how did you guys step meet? brother and stepsister in marriage? Like that's fucking weird. Yeah. How'd you guys how so how'd you guys meet? Well, my dad is banging her mom, <laughs> and we were living in the same roof, and then zombies came. And she and showed me her back. She I flashed thought she me was back, hot. and, you know, I confirmed it was fat. Boom, moved in on it. I Yeah, that's... that's It's awkward. I just say, hey, I, we, we dated online. There you go. Yeah. Met at a <laughs> okay, Starbucks. It, met, at a, met at a donut shop. But no, I, I think you're right. I think him ogling her is giving her ideas on how she can wield her sexuality I think as so, a potential yeah. post-apocalyptic weapon. Exactly. Because she's got nothing better to do. Yeah. At this point. She's not like a weapons expert or, you know, she's a nerd. She's a brainy nerd in high school. Yeah. And she's got really hot pants. Apparently. One of those one of those two skills will will, will get you somewhere in an apocalyptic situation. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so we see Tuxedo Man wheeling and dealing with the Warden of Camp Omega when he comes to get Nick because Nick's running 102 degree fever. I guess that's something you probably do when your throes of heroin recovery. Yeah, so I hear you're throwing up. You're you're feeling like shit. You're running a fever. Uh, he has to trade two cufflinks for Nick. I don't think Nick's worth half a pack of cigarettes, <laughs> but I don't know Tuxedo Man's plans. I think half a pack of cigarettes are worth more in this scenario than cufflinks, <laughs> frankly. What, so what did you – we talked about this on the live watch during a commercial, I think, and we didn't talk about it on the live watch or the instant cast. But what do you think about my idea of a storyline involving a very rich person in the early stages of the zombie apocalypse where they've got a ton mm-hmm. of money and they've got the security force and all that and then at a certain point – People are going to realize that as civilization fails, this green money is worth nothing. Feels like maybe they're getting at that a little bit here. Like this wheeling and dealing he's doing is not going to last. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's so it's an idea that everyone but has it, to come to terms with. Right. Yeah. But how fast are they to do that? And it's not something yeah. that's like a binary thing either. No, there's always doubt in your mind. Like, well, if, if we do yeah, ride this some out, some people guy's are taking out the trash. And, like, yeah, I've got the guns. You've got the wallet. Mm-hmm. One of these days, I can just take your wallet with my gun for there's no that. reprisal. Like, yeah. there's all kinds of interesting psychological things that I think would be cool because it seems like when The Walking Dead confronts the wealthy, mm-hmm. it's always in kind of like a scornful, like you know, look at what you had. You couldn't. They're take the first it with to you, die. Yeah. Here's your. I'm drinking all your peach schnapps in your clubhouses yeah. and shitting, wiping my ass with your bundles of money and smashing your bottles of champagne i i would like to see them do something a little bit more interesting with that yeah i would too because you know that's got to be they've never really they've never really dealt with that in the show like having a rich powerful person and how they deal with being a nobody mm-hmm. or like finding out that maybe some like mousy person like eugene maybe he was like a dot-com billionaire at one point that'd be interesting too and he's yeah, like hiding it, all that because he. That's, I think it'd be interesting. Nothing. So a lot of people have have talked about. Oh, you know, they're in L.A. There could be a lot of celebrities around there. I think it'd be kind of an interesting storyline to see, like an action hero from the movies, be uh, be a part of one of these groups, and everybody's looking to him, like or, or her, if you're like, like Mia if, Jovovich or something. Like everyone's looking to that person to lead them and kind yeah. of be what they are on screen and they're nothing like yeah, that. like carrie cruz is like look man i just lived weights and star in old spice <laughs> or, commercials i've like, never killed anybody exactly. i've never even thrown a punch exactly i haven't <laughs> fired real weapons for christ's sake you need like, me to scream and sell bear glove i can do it i don't yeah that would be cool i don't know it'd probably be cool for like one scene and then 
Yeah, it's almost a visual gag. It would be done with. Yeah. They kind of did that with Tyrese, like this big, imposing true, dude yeah. that's kind of a softy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but nobody know. like knew him, knew him, right? Yeah, like oh, you're a famous football player. Yeah, you've got to be a badass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because yeah. sure, there's like you know like something. that's the the flip side of like a Rick situation where he's a sheriff. Yeah. And that kind of authority carries through to real life, whereas, like, these celebrities have this massive moral authority in society, but it's based on nothing. It's based on illusion. People telling you you're handsome and good-looking from a very early age. Yeah, and having a ton of money. And wanting your approval for that basis, yeah. Interesting. Uh, So, back in at the library, the soldiers have a new mission in a post-Moyers world. They want to fuck off and be with their families. And they're going right. to just drop Travis off a couple blocks away and then execute on that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Maddie had one job to do. To <laughs> keep Ophelia away from the torture facility. And she f- takes a nap and is awoken by Ophelia screaming when she stumbles upon her her, her dad's torture dungeon. <laughs> and Well, she was drunk. She was exhausted. I mean. Yeah, she was drunk. She, had, she needed a, a little drinky drinky. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we'd get the speech about him telling Ophelia about the war in detail and the atrocities, but he didn't tell her which side he was on. And he asked, will she understand? And then Maddie comes back with, did he tell us what we need to know? And I'm thinking like, maybe this is a kind of complex critique of widespread and indiscriminate torture because Daniel tortured this guy when the guy was like, he's like, look, I want to help you. Here's where your people are at and all that stuff. And Daniel kept torturing him until he gave him seemingly useless information. And even Daniel's mm-hmm. like, seems distraught and trying to justify it all. Now, you have an, an interesting thought that I didn't think of, which is that he's getting off on this. Yeah, I'm, I, I can't. I don't know, because he seems willing. He seems so willing to tell everything. And yeah. when, I don't know, he's this attached to Ophelia, I feel like he might. He might just be willing to say, well, I'm going to spare Ophelia from Cobalt and let them know what's going on here um, so they can save themselves. But Daniel just comes in with his knives, mm-hmm. his razors. And I, I, the look on his face is not one of a man who's reluctant to do this, in my opinion. But he also, I think, doesn't feel like he got really great information from him. He's not certain, yeah. I mean, he did find out about Cobalt, right? Yeah, Because I mean, later on, he, or I think it might be in this scene he says tell them about cobalt so but the, clearly i feel he like told the him, handsome soldier would have told him that willingly without the torture i thought so too yeah which and is then, why i'm like maybe and he wants to torture now him. these strangers come in the room and the tortured soldiers just seems like i guess he's it's supposed to read that he's just totally broken i guess like the pain less than a day no longer matters to him he's, yeah that yeah. he's and i, I don't he's know if i buy that before. i don't maybe. know maybe uh so uh, we find out that the story about the two thousand people in the refugee camp, right, in the arena, is that is that right now? I think so. Okay, um, or maybe it's in, in a a scene coming home. Ah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, it it comes, but we can talk about it now. It comes later. Okay, we'll wait. Um. So anyway, Liza sneaks out because uh, she's not believing Doctor Exeter. And she finds Griselda, which is actually where Dr. Exeter told her she would be. She's in some kind of recovery room. Yeah. Um, but she's got septic shock because it's been too late. And even though they whipped her leg off, it's kind of a lost cause at this point. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Exeter talks a mess about why doesn't she isn't she trusted, which we've already dealt with. I, You know, again, this would have been this scene would have been hell of a lot more effective if there was some doubt in my mind that what's going on at Camp Omega was in the public interest broadly speaking. Okay. 
and not just from a pure kind of um, pragmatic sense of the what's best for the public good. Yeah, because I think it is that, honestly. Like, well, that's what they're saying it you, is. Sure. I mean, so look at what happened in Woodbury, right? I mean, you get people turning inside Woodbury and things go to shit real fast. So that's why they're pulling people out who are sick. And I get that. It's just that they don't talk about it. They don't tell people why they're doing these things. Like, look, you don't want this sick woman dying in the bed next to you because you will not wake up. Or you will wake up and you'll be a zombie. Yeah. So I I get that from a pragmatic sense. It's just that no one actually wants to do this in a way that... Did it feel weird to you that... Helps people understand. They just casually talk about how that people don't need to even die, be bit by a zombie to become zombies. Yeah, they do. Something they just drop that, that knowledge on Liza. Yeah, something that was kind of a big revelation in the other show, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. Again, we talked about how relatively fun or unfun it is to know more about the characters, but just the yep. way it was dropped kind of was shocking to me. Yeah, it's not going to be a big reveal to us, so why make it a huge reveal on the show? Well, the big, or pretend question, like it's this big, the big question is, if this was known... By the powers that be, ten days after the fall, mm-hmm. how the hell did it was it not more wide, widely known when we get to twenty, thirty, forty days post the fall with uh, Rick's group? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Power goes out, you don't get the news, you don't get. I wonder how much information. But look how many you soldiers get. are defecting. Do you think the soldiers no. know? The soldiers have to know because I'm they're sure they transporting yeah. bodies back. They're the ones who figured it out, right? They I would mean, tell their families. I mean, I, it just yeah. feels like it's. I don't know. It's 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 harder to keep secrets than you think. Back at the McMansion, Chris and Alicia are dolled up to the nines, and Alicia wants to talk philosophical matters like, do you ever think about where rich people go when they die? <laughs> they go to rich heaven. And they talk about how these were real people who built this whole life, and then they metaphorically destroy their lives by smashing up all their shit. Question, why do I care? I don't know. What I have is no this telling us about it. the characters of Alicia and Chris that we didn't already know? And what does this tell us about the human condition or the world of The Walking Dead. I don't know, man. There's a line at the very beginning where Alicia's like, "They're they had the lives that we deserve." Yeah. A, I don't know why you deserve a life uh, as children of rich parents. Not not everyone deserves that, and no, probably no one deserves that. Plus, that's rich coming from a middle class girl. Yeah, there are people who have you know, white, so, white who would say the same about your life. That she's a four yeah. student, and she's also stunningly beautiful. Exactly. I you feel won like, a lot of lotteries in life, kid. Okay, and so you lost one, right? Your parents you got you, divorced. You didn't have fancy clothes, um, and you didn't have remote-controlled helicopters. Actually, her parents didn't get divorced. Her dad died. Uh, Chris's mm. parents got divorced. So they, they kind of, you know, both come from uh, less-than-ideal families, I guess. But I, I just don't see them as needing to be this angsty for who they are. Like, Well, and that's no—I mean— don't get me wrong. <laughs> Teenagers don't need a reason to be angsty. No, you're right. You're right. Like that's kind of their default state because they're flooded with the hormones and they're 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 coming from a space where their parents wipe their asses to a place where they now want to move out of their parents' homes and fuck people and and drink and do all this other stuff. So take this back. So to... there's you don't need a reason to be angsty and to write shitty poetry if you're a teenager. But I th- okay, I th- I think maybe Alicia does have one. Take this back to episode one. 
where she's sitting with Matt and she's saying, oh, yeah, I got one year until I get out of this family. She was looking forward to better things. Well, she had a brother addicted to heroin. We think her mother was an alcoholic. She got into an Ivy League school. Yes. She was looking forward to not only getting out of this family, but starting a real life of her own. And I think when the zombie apocalypse comes and all of those plans are de facto canceled, she probably doesn't take a liking to that. She's right. probably angry about that, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah. And then Chris is angry because he's Chris. He's he's <laughs> he's that's his default state too. Yeah. Uh, Travis comes home to Ophelia just sobbing on the lawn, and his wife is condoning torture, and he just his world is rocked. He doesn't know which way's up anymore. And then we have the soldier giving a fairly poor performance of this confusing scene of a sports stadium from the early days of the fall. Now that you said that. Daniel's wheels are thinking he can use this as a distraction slash weapon. This makes total sense, but I feel kind of dumb for not getting that. Honestly, me too. Yeah, I had to. You feel look at you feel like I'm dumb because I didn't get this. Me too. I I only I only thought this because of emails. See, this is why you're an email rookie. You should have passed that off as if it was your original opinion. You're right, and and lorded over the advantage. I think I might even have that email in the email (laughs) section. What am I doing? Uh, so where are we at? Uh yes. I again I could see this being effective if we could see like imagine if we had a flashback while this this soldier is kind of telling the story. Flashback but of I you know him like the arena. The, the arena and like you know you can see like ch- women and children mixed up with the zombies and the soldiers open fire. That that would have been more powerful than him just half-assing telling the story. Yeah, so this is um So I I get it this is a way to move the plot forward but also it could have like set some mood and stuff what the fuck is the name of the stadium that they Staples? put people in in katrina during katrina oh that is the saint stadium i don't i'm yeah the the, the crawfish bowl the yes so this is the jambalaya bowl this is a lot like the crawfish bowl right yes <laughs> where i think this is a refugee camp that people started dying in turning and started killing people other people turning them into walkers yeah. Shit went wrong. They locked everybody in because how else are you going to deal with 2,000 of these walkers and screaming people? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty dark picture. Like, I I have a serious problem with the way this show is handling any kind of action whatsoever in that there is none. Uh, I wish, yeah, they could have shown some of this. They could have done something to just make amp up the action a little bit. Like yeah. where where are the zombies in this show? It is a fucking eighteen million person capital of the world area that we're in, right? Yeah. What the fuck? Where are the people? And this show has an eighteen million they? people watching it. Super sponsor budget. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Where are the zombies? Yeah, you're right. I mean, Game of Thrones gets away with this a lot. Like they'll refer to a big battle and then they cut away from it time and time again. Maybe once, maybe three times in the whole fucking season series have you gotten something that's like, whoa, spectacle, and you eat it up. Yeah. I don't know why they get away with it in Walking Dead doesn't. I feel like Game of Thrones is is the buildup to, like, what you know is coming. Like, this mm-hmm. idea that winter is coming is yeah. supposed to be menacing. You're not supposed to see it all the time. Otherwise, it's not threatening. Yeah. Plus, it's there's just every the, day the, the B plots are arguably more interesting than the A plot, which oh. is winter is coming everything's more interesting than this show. I mean, that would be kind of interesting that like if the zombie apocalypse wasn't the most interesting thing going on. And some, some of the later seasons of walking dead approach that where it's like, okay, the zombies are actually 
background at this point. Yeah. This it, it almost feels okay there. Yeah, but this they're in rural Georgia. But this show LA. is about you know this is what what we want to see and what we're getting. There's a big gap between. Yeah, you can't. You're, there was one zombie in this episode. Yeah, maybe two. I think I, one fell out the window. There was maybe another oh, that's behind true. him. There was a minor zombie waterfall, which is always cool to see. I, yeah, it was but a it trickle. Was, it was that was a sad trickle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a faucet that's left on a sure. little bit. A faucet that won't quite shut off. Sure, sure. Uh. I I don't know. I just the I don't know if it's a budget thing. I I hope next week we're going to see 2000 zombies rushing out of that arena. Maybe they've been saving I up mean, the budget for for then. But why? Why do they have to save a budget on a sh- on the biggest show, the biggest franchise of all time? Like well, what are they you doing? Know, you're you're not getting your you're not getting bonus checks for spending money to him. It'd be like if George Lucas didn't put jedis in his movie in an epic jedi fight or space battles because he was trying to save money for episode six like or for episode three rather but on the other hand george lucas did set an internal budget for those movies like 60 million dollars which is a pittance for what they were that's true and he was doing it consciously to save costs just kind of demonstrate that it can be done i'm like really you're fucking around in star wars you're one of the richest men in the goddamn world i personally contributed like one percent of your gdp and you can't Spend 150 million on Star Wars, where you know it's it's like printing money, George. Why? That thing was still out on all, uh, still an all out effects bonanza, though. But what if they had built real so, sets, like, Jim? Sure. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that the effects made it better, but spending some money on this show might be a good idea. I I agree. I agree. Uh, so anyway, then uh, Nick effectively masks the smell of urine uh, by vomiting, and then he asks sensible questions like. Why did you help me? Uh, what is your plan? And the tuxedo man explains that uh, he didn't help him. He obligated you. I don't know how you obligate a junkie because I would think that Nick is pretty obligated to his mom for like food. If, you know, birthing him out of her vagina and food and clothing her him for low these many years. And mm-hmm. he don't give a shit. Yeah, he don't give a shit. Tuxedo man thinks he's obligated a heroin addict. He doesn't know who he's dealing with. I d- d- doesn't make it. This doesn't really make sense. But it's the tuxedo man again is is the third most interesting man in the world at mm-hmm. this point, and I'm kind of in on in for the ride. Yeah, honestly, I would be okay with a battle between them, a battle of wills, a battle of cunning. <laughs> the tuxedo man's gonna win. He is absolutely he? is gonna I, win. It depends because once Nick starts jonesing again, I don't know. He's gonna do whatever he needs to do to get his next fix, right? Yeah, and that's not someone who can ta- like. You can't, you can't outfight Gus Fring if you're addicted to heroin. I just don't believe it. <laughs> this guy. What if you've been addicted for a long time? <laughs> anyway, so Nick's superpower is it looks like he's a guy who understands necessity. I don't know what that means, man. I, I don't know either. He's stripped everything away. He he has base human needs here. I'm. So he's going to he's going to need Nick's bullshitting, know. lying, manipulation skills to execute his plan, his move. What is his move? His move is a key. He's going to murder someone with that key. I'm curious to see what this key is for because I'm with you. If this is the key to <laughs> to this cage, no way. I it kind of looks like a hotel key. But mm. if he and then as he he said how he was recently in Vegas, which could be a lie. He was just lying about the the cufflink anyway. Yeah. Like Maybe there's some weird thing that's locked up in. There's one weird trick that's locked up in Las Vegas 
hotel, but also it's an old timey looking. It's a Bengal tiger. It's a hangover four. It's the it's first happening. of the battle class Bengal tigers. It's mm-hmm. going to turn the tide in the war. I don't know, man. I don't know what this key is for, but it cannot be that cell. Yeah. So Alicia and Chris walk home way past curfew, and the soldiers don't care. And Alicia realizes that something's wrong. Griselda is talking a mess about the devil and about evil and the disappeared and her husband. And I don't know who or what she's talking about because at certain some points I thought she was talking to Dr. Exeter. Some points I thought she was talking to the men who made her husband a monster. Some points I think she was talking to her husband. I kind of think that those are all true at various points in the speech because she's you might be right. Yeah. She's suffering from severe intracranial pressure and it's slowly squeezing her brain in a vice. So she's just yeah. Making word salad here. I thought maybe she was even talking to God. Just Ooh. like, I'm on my way, so and here we go. you're a miserable son of a bitch. Uh-huh. Or I'm going to throw down as soon as we get there. Yeah. I burnt all you're, these candles. You're letting I me into rich shrine. people heaven, God That's damn right. it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, want a, I want a dollar for every candle I've ever lit, son. <laughs> uh, I don't... It didn't really do much for me, man, because it's the babbling of a crazy, crazy post or pre-death woman. Yeah, so this is where they kill her, right? Or where she dies and they put a it. It is. In she her gets head. no country for old woman. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of important things here to ask, I guess. One is Liza now knows that they all come back. That's super important. Uh, whether or not she tells anybody will be another thing. And also the other question I have is, what the hell is Daniel going to do when he finds out that Liza put a bolt through his wife's head? Flay her arms? Um, I mean, you know what can Daniel do? What can Daniel do? Because, what can he do? He could rip skin. But I'm off saying, of like, parts of your body. He doesn't seem like he's a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And I don't see him being torturing Liza to death because he did something that she did something that he himself has done to many, many people. Okay. Because he wanted to be spared pain. This was before he had a wife and child. You know, this, and then, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think Dan's going to do shit. What about the futility of his torturing this guy in his quest now well is there anything interesting about that that? is that i think it's kind of interesting that it's arguable whether torture worked in this case Mm -hmm. and now his end goal i'm not i'm not all this because i'm like you know quote unquote bleeding heart or whatever like if i thought torture worked i would i would support torture in certain cases Mm -hmm. like there's definitely an ethical case you can make against torture but in like a ticking time bomb scenario, those things go out to, or if you're trying to break someone to save a whole bunch of lives that, you know, you can start arguing about ethics, morality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think torture, if you ask anyone who actually is a good, uh, as experienced intelligence interrogator, they say this shit doesn't work. Yeah. And in fact, you waste more time chasing down a bunch of bullshit, fake leads and destroying the rapport you need with your prisoners so you can effectively interrogate them. By doing that, so, I mean I'm not even talking about that. What I what I mean by the futility of it is now his ultimate objective is gone. He can't possibly get Grizzy back. She's done. Do you think that this is part of his arc? Is he's going to be forced into caring for people that he didn't want to care for? Yes. He's going to transfer. Yes. Uh, you kind of like uh, an, totally. an Abraham arc. He's going to transfer his protectiveness over his daughter and his wife because that you know that programming is null and void now he's going to transfer that to these other people yeah or do you think do you think daniel could be a bad guy Mm. yes he has been in the past 
Like you, it seems right? like that's another thing. That if if I was the Walking Dead writers and I was hell bent on doing every trope that I've ever done in the series, the next logical step is to have a hero and have a foil for the hero, mm-hmm. who the viewers at home might even say, "This guy's talking sense. He's all real, and he's talking pragmatism." And this yeah. other guy's talking Pollyanna bullshit. Daniel would fit that kind of season one to Shane role very well. No, you're right. You're Maybe right. even better. Yeah, because we didn't know that Shane could be that guy before. We know that this guy can. Sure. Shit breaks bad enough. Yeah. What if he's like, what if he becomes the leader for a season or two? And at some point, Madison and or Travis, ha ha, uh, probably Madison has to stage a coup against him because he's just gone too far. He was a strong leader they needed in early days, but he's turned into a maniac, a paranoid lunatic. Sure. That could be interesting. Ophelia's going to turn into a walker. He's going to keep her in a closet. He's going to feed her and brush her hair. Uh, So Daniel sneaks up to what I presume is a sports stadium. It certainly looks like an arena of some sort. Yeah, I was reading an article on Funny or Die that an emailer sent in. This might be the Forum in Los Angeles. It's an arena that is probably well known out there, I guess. Probably some kind of hockey rink in Canada. From what most I likely, tell. yeah. <laughs> oh, but, but it looks just like it. It's got these pillars. Sure. Um, it's It might be meant to be the forum, but I have so many questions about that. Mm. Anyway, sorry. Didn't I mean assumed interrupt. it was supposed to be the, like, well, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's, surely it's not like Staples Arena. That thing's massive. It'd hold a lot more than oh, 2,000 yeah. people. Oh, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's not Staples Center, for sure. Uh, so anyway, yeah, he gets, uh, and it is indeed chained up as the handsome off or soldier rather said, and mm-hmm. it does seem to be fair teaming with zombies. Yeah. What is Daniel doing there? Because 900, oh, 900 is coming and you're saying he's there to unleash the horde. I, it's not so much what as how, how is Daniel there? He's snuck out. Maddie can do it. I definitely he's, believe so, Daniel can do okay. it. Okay. Population, 18 million, mm-hmm. greater Los Angeles area. Daniel sneaks out in a loud-ass muscle car, mm-hmm. goes right out the fence, walks Probably to will. an arena. There's no loud-ass muscle in car. Inglewood? He's walking. He's walking. Just walks to an arena yeah. in Inglewood. Pr- probably in Inglewood. No problem. No problem kill with zones, walkers man. around. They've, they've had a nine-mile nine kill zone. <laughs> so Okay. So six six miles out. There, within six miles in Los Angeles, I guess there's an arena for everyone, right? Sure. You can't drive six miles without hitting an arena. There, you trip over them on your way to work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's some kind of uh, some sure. some kind of uh, public works program that they did in the 70s. It's just arenas on every block <laughs> uh-huh. in Los Angeles. And the zombies so sprawled. Zombies don't ever. You take have to back drive territory. past miles of arena before you can get to a goddamn shopping center, <laughs> or let alone residential place. You're right. Okay, I did, I just had a problem with with him getting here in the first place. So, so without seeing it, like we there's so much we don't see mm-hmm. in this episode. We don't see the soldier being captured. We don't see Daniel getting to the arena. Yeah, none of this stuff. We don't see what happens inside the the place where the military is overrun. None of that. I really wanted to see all of that. Frankly, there was a they had a strict no stunt budget for episode four and five. I guess so. That's that that would cost money. So can't show any action. You don't get to see the guy who is a conscientious objector getting his face beaten in. That would have been a fight scene. You can't have that had, stunt work required. Yep. Yep. You can't throw a punch. <laughs> can't drive a vehicle. It's amazing. 
So that's all. Like that's that's it. That's the end of the episode. All right. I mean, I guess we can talk about what he's doing there. Some people have some ideas. Uh, we kind of talked about you know this possible flood of walkers. Other people think maybe he's there just to like verify what Soldier Boy told him. All right. Uh, I, to know if all of his information, the location of the hospital and stuff is trustworthy. Cobalt is trustworthy. Shall we go to the feedback then? Yeah, let's do it. Before we get to feedback, uh, got an ad for Club Bald Move. Got to pay the bill somehow, gonna right? going to come Jim? right out with it. It's yeah. an ad. There's, there's no way to, gonna... to be subtle. Okay. Ban- you are uh, yep. a- officially being advertisement. <laughs> get ready. Buckle in. You've been advised about the advertising and the, the nature of the message that I'm about to convey. But we think is, you'll like it. Which is we need money. And we're, well, we're, okay, we're, willing, part. we're willing to exchange uh, podcasting services for for that, that uh, filthy, filthy money. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, one thing we did in the Club Move last Friday, AMC, you know, we're doing these live watches, which is something else you can get on uh, uh, Club Bald Move or... You can synchronize your viewing of The Walking Dead with us and ha- hear our commentary and see our live reactions to all kinds of different stuff. Um, but we we did some this Friday. We saw that the AMC is doing Kung Fu Fridays, and Jim and I are like, we like Kung Fu movies. Yeah. We saw that they're doing The Legend of Drunken Master, and we're like, Legend of Drunken, Ma- Drunken Master is streaming on Netflix. So we did a live watch of that, just out of the blue, posted up there. You can synchronize with your Netflix and, and watch the movie with us. Uh, we might be doing some more of those because we like this Kung Fu Fridays and we're kind of curious about mm-hmm. this Into the Badlands deal. Uh, yeah, but- I'm not sure we'll be covering that no. per se, but what we're going to do is do some of our live watches with Kung Fu movies to kind of coincide with the Fridays. Yeah, you know? and I'm I, I'm definitely going to give Into the Badlands a look. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff. You get lunch with Jim and Aaron, which is like a typically Friday hangout session where – you can join using uh, Google Hangouts technology and ask us questions, be a participant in the lunch itself. Um, we've got silent, some silent movies that we're working on, which that's a really hard thing to explain. But it's a game show where we edit all of the dialogue, any scene with dialogue out of a movie, and we show the resultant short film to the other person who has not seen it. And they have to guess at like three or four minute intervals what the movie is about. Yeah. And we have like a lot of fun. Phone a friend and Google lookups and a couple of this stuff. It's it's fun, but we're trying to put some value out there. Also, ad free. You don't have to listen to this. Yeah, you can skip this whole advertisement business. Uh, ad free podcast free freeds. It's free freeds. I'm gonna coin the term advertisement because we're teasing our new content. Yes, but you can get all this at club.baldmove.com for as little as a buck a month. What a deal. We start off with Patience, who says, uh, has some an interesting idea about COBOL. She thinks it's nationwide, and she thinks it's actually going to be uh, the the fire bombings in Atlanta that we saw in The Walking Dead. That's Operation COBOL? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Although sure. their Operation COBOL seems to have happened much later. How do you know that? We have no idea when... Well, not much later, I guess. Well... Wait, we don't. We have no idea when Shane and Lori were over, were in the camp overlooking Atlanta when that fire. It's sometime before. Yeah, maybe it Nick, happens earlier. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like they could have been camped outside of Atlanta week one. It's true. Okay, so yeah, I, I think she's probably right on there. Um, Kevin says, not sure if you all caught this, but Travis apparently has a massive tattoo that's visible after the garage makeup soup kitchen. Uh, doesn't improve his character in the least, but hey, he's got a stomach tat. I'm no expert, but that could serve as evidence of a past thug life. Is it is a thug life? AK-47 with like 83 uh, zombies? No, no, no. It looks like um, 
it looks like maybe some sort of tribal pattern sort of thing Ooh, on his stomach, but it's rare, big. They're rare tribal ta- stomach tattoo. <laughs> and I looked up Cliff Curtis, the actor. He does not have a tattoo, so they put this on him. You know for a fact his stomach doesn't have a tattoo? That's How would you know that? That is what the internet says, yes. Huh. So Is he Hispanic if, or is he... He's from New Zealand. Okay, that's what I'm saying, yeah. because like... Don't the Maori have like all kinds of like uh, significant tattoos? They even tattoo their face. I thought maybe so. Um, like, but I'm not. I'm how not does the certain. internet know? Because like I've seen The Rock in movies where he has no tattoos. He's tatted up all the creds. It's, like, it's called body makeup. That's true. I've seen so, Angelina Jolie uh, mm-hmm, as smooth yeah. as unmarked as she came out of Jean uh, Voight's vagina. <laughs> I don't know her mother. <laughs> Uh, and I know she's tatted up crazy. So yeah. I, how does the internet know that this guy? I, I don't know. I don't know. Did you know that Cliff Curtis was in um, Training Day? You know what? He's not Hispanic on the show because his last name yeah. is like Manawa or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So he's he's uh, New, he's he's New Zealand even in the show. Yeah, he's born I in just, New Zealand. Just realized that. Okay. Okay. Uh, but he was in Training Day. He was one of he was alongside no Tuco. Kidding. Alongside uh No kidding. What's the face is you remember when they, they yeah, dragged no, totally. uh Ethan Hawk, I think, into the bathroom and they've got the gun to him and uh huh. Yeah. That that's him. He's the guy holding the gun. Uh he's also he also plays Pablo Escobar in the movie. Did he get, his, did he get his, his shit pushed in, bro? I no. I don't <laughs> think so. Uh Yates C says Hey, the reason Barbershop was scoping out the arena is because he's going to pull Merle from The Walking Dead, lure a bunch of walkers out um, to kill these guys, and also possibly as a distraction. Like, they don't have to necessarily overrun everybody, but they yeah. could distract the soldiers Again, at the hospital. a library full of zombies is yeah. a problem. A stadium full, uh, released at once, uh, obviously going to be a huge problem, sure. If they can only kill... 83 between the bunch of them. Yeah. It's going to be a hard problem. Well, he only should... The problem is what's holding him back is he only takes seven-point zombies. He's not interested in this three-point zombie bullshit. Yeah, he doesn't kill the zombie kids. Which, if a 900-meter zombie kill is a three-pointer, what the fuck is a touchdown? (laughs) You have to throw a grenade 300 yards and Uh hit him right in the mouth and it blows out their asshole? (laughs) So a lot of people are talking about the... The Walker distraction. Solid Why? take. I feel like, again, I feel genuinely stupid for not understanding that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Uh, Joe and a bunch of other people um, wrote in to talk about this key that uh, he he traded for the watch. They think it was a key to the cell, which he says, and seems like an incredibly lopsided deal for the army guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, we kind of talked all about that. Leanne says... Literally giving the keys to the fox for the hen, ha- hen house. Yeah. Seems like a foolish idea. Like, why even keep him locked up at that point? I don't know. Nah. Uh, Leanne says, I have issues with this episode. So are we supposed to believe that these young National Guardsmen are ready to massacre innocent bystanders, including children, when given the order? Because it doesn't seem like they'd be to that stage yet. Mm-hmm. This is still the infancy of the apocalypse. Just a few weeks ago, these guys were working at Home Depot home with their families, why would the military need to kill everybody? Wouldn't they at least want able-bodied people to help them fight off the zombies? Another issue was torturing a young, low-ranking National Guardsman slash Army guy necessary. Uh, I think he would have given all the information without the torture. Yeah, we we agree with you on that point. Uh, And she is apparently former military, um, an officer who'd like to think that she wouldn't go off killing people at this stage of the apocalypse. So you don't want to know something interesting. This is my Uh, favorite thing to ask military people. 
after I know them for a while, like over beers, is like, so if you got the order to like yeah, quell yeah. a city, uh, at what point do you balk at it? Like, I get it. Like, if you're like, okay, here's Waco or Ruby Ridge. There's some crazy folk uh, behind that wall. They're threatening to kill children. Go take them out. Like, I understand that. Yeah. If it's, uh, you know, like, I'm trying to think of what's in it where a city of civilian unrest, you would turn your... And, you know, the thing is, is like, I guess I would say like one out of five of the military people I've talked to said that, yeah, they if, if they can, if it was a lawful order or... It, or even if it was an order, they would do it. Hmm. Okay. Now, I'm I'm with this this lady. I would think that if if I was a soldier and I was sworn to protect the Constitution and Republic and whatnot, that if I was ordered to just turn my guns on civilians for no damn good reason, I would disobey that order. That's one of the things I think it's bizarre when people talk about if the Second Amendment is effective at warding off tyranny. It's like, mm. well, what's a yeah. handgun going to do against a nuclear bomb? Well, it's like, yeah, if the com- full might of the United States military is turning against the people, we're fucked. Yeah. You're counting on the fact that these be these are citizen soldiers, and they're not just going to willy-nilly Apache and F-18 you. What's the point of that, right? Or like, it'll strike you to death. If, if, if you're nuking all the major cities in the country, what are you, what are and, you fighting and, and, for? And I think that's why having guns is kind of an interesting argument, because... It's a lot easier to go against an unarmed people and herd them like sheep. If you guys, yeah. if they're shooting back and making you actually shoot them, and these are your countrymen, that's where mm-hmm. I think it's a lot psychologically harder. Some resistance is certainly better than none. It's a it's a complicated debate, and yeah. it's frustrating to see it reduced to just her her gun, you know your twenty two long rifle versus a nuke. Yeah. So I don't know. And again, like I said, if it's if it's one out of five that would, that's still the minority. And I still think that like it's easy to be cocky over beers and say like you know YOLO whatever, throw the grenades. Yeah, but when staring someone in the face, yeah, with someone shouting an order, kill them. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, let's hope we never find out. Don't really want to live through military no. coup in this country. Me either. Uh, Dan from Philly, not not too happy at this point. Uh, hey guys, oh my god, did this show piss me off to the point where I'm gonna have to bail? Forget all uh, the almost schizophrenic character portrayals. Forget the fact that one minute a soldier is getting flayed in the basement and in the quickest instance of Stockholm Syndrome, the next minute he's their best friend. The fact that you just want to slap the shit out of Chris or the jailhouse prophet, etc., etc. The main thing is the, sl- the low budget, the fact that if you're not seeing anything through a three-inch slit in a grate, now the exposition is over the radio. <laughs> yeah, that, it's indefensible, man. I. They should have said this in Philly. Just show us them going in and let us know why they get overrun. How does it happen? Fear the Walking Dead should have been set in Philadelphia. Should have so been starred can... Bill Burr. I'd watch that show. <laughs> He'd just be cursing people out the whole time. <laughs> fuck you and fuck you. Fucking one bridge city. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, by the way. If you haven't seen yeah, the Bill, Bill Burr, Burr go taking off. on the entire city of Philadelphia. It's amazing. For ten minutes, uh, and, and read the background behind it. it is it is kind of impressive. I could, yeah, I, I, that's yeah. impressive. Uh, Hef writes in and says, uh, "I think the Bunny Ranch would get over." No, sorry. Uh, I also think the Tuxedo Dude might be the owner of the house that Chris and Alicia trashed. What do you think about that? Wait a second. We saw unless those are just like stock photos. Stock photos. We he saw says, the the <laughs> white rich family of the photos. I thought so too. He says I don't remember seeing any family pictures there, but I think I do. Yeah, like right before Chris smashed him, and they were talking mm-hmm. about these were people ones. It seemed like it was your, you know, stereotypically. Yeah, 
Like maybe the older guy and middle-aged woman. He said maybe that's how he knew something family. about Nick and Doug, but mm. I mean, I I would think Nick would have recognized him. Nah, I'm not, I don't I don't think so because I clearly remember. And again, if they're stock photos, that's not something you do in television. Yeah, <laughs> you don't like. Oh, those are just my stock family. N- no, that's weird. <laughs> um, he also says regarding the possible Hogan without any heroes assault that we talked of sure. about last last time. Um, have either of you watched the sadly short-lived series Firefly? Yes, I have. Uh, he says in the episode it's named- currently number two on the uh, no, it's number one <laughs> with a bullet on the community commissions. We're like seven shares away at baldmove.com slash shop. I slide a commercial in on you. <laughs> I think it's uh, going to happen. I think yeah, it's soon we're it's we're, we're we're just uh, like six shares away from doing that as a commission podcast. Excited. Yep. Uh, he says in the episode War Stories, the entire crew participates in an attack on a ruthless cl- crime lord's space station in order to save a kidnapped friend. Yes, they do. Only two of the fighting crew members have been shown to have combat skills before, but when faced with the need to save their friend, everyone is able to step up and do what needs to be done. And he thinks there will be a similar situation and that the show has shown us. Um, Griselda, Nick, and Liza all represent a missing member of each of the three main families, which is true. Uh and that maybe they'll all team up in a Firefly-esque way. The two problems that is Zoe and Jane I already bought as competent badasses. badasses. And Mal. I mean, obviously. But Mal was one of... Well, I don't want to spoil too much. (laughs) But Mal was not in a position to be uh, helping on the assault. Uh, I don't remember that episode. Yeah, I mean, like, it'd be like if Walsh... Because, like, Barbershop's not on a Zoe or Jane level to me. Old two-dick. He was a he was the the henchman in some kind of you know El Salvadorian purge. Mm-hmm. He's um, a torturer. He's yeah. Not so a did he fight? Did he, yeah. Was he fighting competent opposition? And I don't know. I don't know exactly what his like tactical skills are, or whatnot. But I've seen Zoe and and uh, Jane kick ass. So yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I get it. That this could be where you see these people's desperate skill sets come together. Yeah. And again, I, I I'll give like Maddie like half a badass point because I could I can squint and see her, but like Just give her a fire extinguisher. Chris, Chris, Mister, get your hands off me, Dad! No, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and Travis and Alicia. Did I say Alicia already? I don't think Alicia so. needs to be mentioned twice. I just I don't see it. I don't see it. Okay, uh, Juliana R says I'm calling bullshit. On anyone who wouldn't break into a rich dead person's house, drink their champagne, and dress up in their fancy clothes during downtime in the zombie apocalypse, it's also a hell of a lot more likely than giving yourself a tattoo, <laughs> unless she was some sort of goth or emo kid. Are you kidding me? That combines, like, tattoos and syrup, is, is sappy, Romeo and Juliet, sure. teenage doomed love things, and cutting? Come on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's certainly within the wellhouse of a teenager. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't have a problem with people fucking shit up in a rich person's house. Yeah. Especially if they're not coming back, you know, they're probably dead. Yeah. Even if they did come back, are they going to let them in? Like who knows? Yeah. Uh, she goes on. Also, I think you guys are too tough on Alicia and it is kind of weird. Alicia is just a typical teenager who gets her fashion sense from Tumblr and I don't think she is creeping on Chris at all. She just wanted a pal to go raid a rich person's house with. Man. I don't think she is thinking I should put on that sexy dress to excite Chris. She's just trying on that sexy dress because it is the fancy, fanciest one in the closet. And her desire to wear this shit around Chris only means he is in the friend zone. Sorry, Chris. Well, now that's an interesting point that 
yes, if a woman just casually gets naked in front of you, she essentially sees you as furniture or a pet. Okay. It's there's <laughs> there there's nothing sexual there, or at mm-hmm. least that's some conclusion one could draw. I, I, I disagree, and I think that her analysis is sound if you do ignore the look that she gave Chris as he as she caught him perving on her. Mm-hmm. Like she slipped the, the the straps off her shoulder, and then the look that she gave the, the look that she gave after he flew, you know, took off, retreated from her sexuality was aha or ooh or look at what I can do. It wasn't like I, I just some yeah. neutral expression. No, I think you're right. It's a, it's a look at what I can do, and I don't think that she puts on that dress necessarily to excite no, Chris. I, but when it happens, yes. she acknowledges it. Right. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like I, yes. I think it's ambiguous whether she did that deliberately. I mean, the the straps again. Maybe she was just playing around with her sexuality in the mirror, and he just happened to yeah, catch her. I think so. I but think what she's came right about the that. aftermath of that scene is why I think you know I I'm, I don't want to be creepy towards Alicia. But I'm just saying that I'm calling <laughs> it as I see it. All right. And she just likes short shorts. What's wrong with that? And there's nothing wrong with her. I'm just and, saying. And when you get on a bike, they hike up a little bit. I mean, it's going to happen. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, uh, I hope she's not wearing <laughs> this three seasons from now. Okay. But then again, you got freaking what, Rosita. Rosita. Yeah. She's wearing the booty shorts, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bill from Put Houston. Put some corduroys on, people. Put some corduroys on. Uh, Bill from Houston and also Matthew S. had a little bit of uh, con- contribution here. Um but mainly Bill, he says, is, is the uh, is part of the Cobalt plan, including the humane termination of all the civilians in the safe zones? I would think so, as they would just be more potential zombies that the government would have to deal with later. Yeah, yeah, I think Cobalt... I, so the idea of humane termination, I'm not sure what they consider humane. Do they consider a bomb to be humane? Like, eh, it'll destroy them, it'll disintegrate them, they'll have no idea what hit them. Sure. Is that humane? Or do they mean they're going to go around putting people down i can't imagine that they would do that it takes too much time a what's that dan carlin um epic history or whatever hardcore history history, the one that's called logical insanity which one is that that's the one where they're talking about um essentially where where nuclear war doctrine like dropping a bomb on hiroshima where that like the the origins of that and it's like if if I I learned anything from that episode is that a military mind can define humane in a lot of different ways. Sure, and it's actually arguable. Like, is it more humane to firebomb a hundred thousand people than to let a million people be butchered in hand to hand combat? Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean it's it's debatable. So yeah, yes, I do believe that humane could be dropping bombs or fire bombs or you know shooting people yeah. in the head. I mean, it could be anything. Think things that civilians might see as horrifying. I do think um, though that that's only like the people under the military's custody. I think the safe zones they would just bug out of. And it seems like that's what they're doing at the end of this episode. Uh, yeah, like honestly. at night, like this is the night of. They're not patrolling. They're not. They're just getting no. out. Yeah, but also. Are those soldiers following protocol, or are they just leaving for home? Are they resp- Has Daniel opened the floodgates? Are they responding to calls? Yeah, that's, about that's raids another... on the hospital or raids on the perimeter. Like, I don't, hmm. I don't think. I think the timing of the sequence of shots would would contradict that. But really, in this show, yeah, you're worried about the timing of that's shots. A basic language of cinema. Like, if you show them, re- oh yeah, because you... showing a mob coming around the corner. Uh, 
one minute and not being there the next minute. Sir, you're asking me to defend the show an awful lot in this episode. <laughs> and uh, not sure if you want to keep pushing in that direction. <laughs> I'm just saying. They don't seem to be overly concerned with accuracy in, in detail. Uh, Sam from New York says, I was surprised how Travis, our supposed moral compass so far, reacted or rather didn't react to the soldier being tortured by barbershop. You'd think he'd freak out or something, but after just a couple of sentences, he was alarmingly fine with flaying someone rel- some relatively innocent soldier alive for information that he may or may not even uh, help the group. Yeah, Travis, I, so was Maddie, so was everyone. Yes, everyone seems wrong. to be okay. No one puts up a real stink about this except maybe Ophelia. So in the face of Co- Operation Cobalt, is that understandable? Hmm. They're getting into the question of if the information that's is like, valuable that's, enough. That's one thing that I've I've uh, I was watching debate on torture, and like someone's like, if it was your daughter that was by the bomb, you would torture this guy. And the guy's yeah. like response was, I don't sure if we should make national policy based on what I would do to save my daughter because they're. Yeah. You might be horrified to find what I would do if the if if the reward was to save my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I don't have a problem with Travis. Like, oh, Operation Kobolds to kill my ex wife and my stepson and this guy's. That's like that's that's also something that a, a, a I think a, a a caring empathetic mind would would recoil from too. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're it's a horrific right scenario. Yeah, I, I, and I I thought that it was good that he was a resistant and kind of agog at the whole idea until he found out about Operation yeah, Cobalt. Like tell him about Cobalt. Yeah, yeah Cobalt, not Cobalt. <laughs> yeah, that's... Operation Cobalt is like year two thousand <laughs> check writing software. It's a totally different thing. Oh, all right. I I was thinking like Ron Moore is going to come come into the writer's seat here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't that Battlestar Galactica? Isn't that a ship? Is it like Cobol? a Cobol class? I think you're getting VGA planets and Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, but confused, they're all based man. on that's true on sci-fi franchises. I think I think Cobol it's Cobol with a K though, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so Rob from Cincinnati says, "I'm not sure if I appreciate the slow burn of this episode, or I'm frustrated by missed opportunities and the jacked-up hat on Ophelia's boyfriend's cover." What? He has a jacked up hat on the handsome soldier man. Yeah. Is he out of regulation? Oh my God, God damn it. Handsome soldier man. I mean, that's just one more. You're just asking to be tortured. Yeah. Uh, he says, I really want to like this series, but I'm a little annoyed by at some of the plot decisions. Last episode, nine days later could have been uh, less of an annoyance. If we were given a montage of the nine days in the cold open, I think that's yeah. an interesting idea. Just kind of seeing what they're getting used to living with. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been, again, more effective than what we got. Than nothing? Yeah, I agree. Uh, He goes on, that being said, I really didn't hate this episode. It was good, but I think it could have been so much better. It's like you have Bobby Flay over to cook you a meal, and he breaks out the Top Ramen and Hot Pockets. (laughs) It'll probably be good, but you expect a lot more. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, because you said that montage. Let's say they did go with a montage of this is the nine-day experience, and then credits, and then they come back, it's nine days later. Internet still would have gone, even though that's way better than what they did. Yeah, they still would have yeah. fucking flipped out because it's offensive that they're skipping through nine days of the fall of society. Because that's what with we're here the for. The way they set me up, I think that's hilarious. Is if you say nowadays we'd be like, oh, you would do anything for that montage. But if yes. you had delivered the montage, people would still be up in arms because it's total bullshit. 
Well, they didn't know how much worse it could have been. Well, right? true, right? If I say if I offer you a shit sandwich, like I'm gonna eat that shit sandwich, and then I'm like, all right, well now you get your pick pecker nailed to this desk. Uh-huh. I'll eat the shit sandwich. No, too, too late, late. It's off too the late. table. Uh-huh. Get get your pecker out. Uh, he says the creepy old spice guy at the beginning was a little off putting, and he doesn't think he's had uh, instantly had such a strong dislike for a character before. See, I didn't feel that. I feel She's exactly the opposite. Man? I'm somehow drawn to Tuxedo Dude, yeah. Yeah, it's something about the way he, he's got that like really cool way of talking. That's over the top, and nobody actually talks like that, but... Your woman's got that ripe MILF body that <laughs> just appeals to such <laughs> a broad demographic. Yeah. She's got her own porno category on X videos. <laughs> yeah, I, he's, there's something about him. Yeah. I like him. I do too. But then again, like I... It might be just because, like, I've ever since I heard the idea of Idris Elba's name mentioned for James Bond, I'm like, yes. Once Daniel Craig is you done, see a character like that, I want to see Idris Elba as James Bond, and this guy kind of like gives me a little bit of that vibe. All right, just, he's physically striking. He's got the smooth voice. He's debonair. He's it's like out of place. Like, oh, completely. Yeah. Why is he there? I mean, I'm sure he's not out of place in L.A. The hundreds and probably tens of thousands of people dress like this on a daily basis. No, but you see but Zach Galifianakis in bathroom in the show, and yeah. Nick is wearing his old man shit. And Travis is in his jogging pants. Like, And this guy's in a full tux and he's he's trading Rolexes. And yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I was somehow drawn to the him King instantly. cufflinks. That's, that's cool. Uh, Mike from New Jersey says, everybody on this show seems like the kind of person who takes medical advice from Dr. Oz. <laughs> 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 okay sure uh, cosine cosine uh so he he goes on how did you they... want to know how to prevent zombieism it's acai berries <laughs> these antioxidants are going to clean up that zombie stuff yep uh he, he goes on how did the soldier how did they get the soldier in the basement why is every soldier an asshole <laughs> why are the koopa troopers in the original mario brothers three more three-dimensional than these characters <laughs> Is there a severe shortage of television writers? Why do I feel obligated to watch a spinoff of a show that frustrates me every season? Uh, All good questions. Yeah. All very good questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick says he... The, Especially like about the Koopa t- Troopers. That's a deep cut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're only there for one reason. Uh, Nick says, talking about Tuxedo Dude, he got rid of Zach G so he could plan with Nick a strategy to escape. Zach G would have been a liability but idris is going to get drugs so that he can manipulate nick into doing things for him Ooh, that's interesting I, and he says i he also says about the the group at large i think they'll make a run for the other house with the light signals is that a good idea or is that no, a bad they, idea uh, did they miss they just saw maybe it. the dvr cut off of that house being completely obliterated but what well are they where's gonna... travis travis yeah what do you travis mean, is, travis? isn't travis out and about right now no travis is back at the torture ground zero he just got briefed on the torture activities. Oh, that's right. How did he get back? He just drove the Humvee? No, they drove him a couple blocks I away. Got, I think they got overrun, though. They said, I'm getting to San Diego, and I will drop you a couple blocks off from your house. That's as good as I can do, and then I'm getting oh, to San Diego. okay. Uh, see, if you yeah, watched I it didn't... three times, you would have known that. <laughs> you're, you're right. I would have. Uh, so, how, man, what a blow to Zach Galifianakis. You are more worthless than a heroin yeah addict in the throes of what it's true withdrawal mm-hmm. no i agree i'm just saying that that's, that's, that's a be, that'd be call. that'd be some hard uh hard feedback to get. i mean is it any harder than the feedback he got 
Yeah, your wife's gonna go use her banging ass to to gain an advantage in the zombie apocalypse. Hope I'm just saying okay that, that if one of the one star iTunes reviews we got is there is a Walking Dead podcast with two recovering heroin addicts that take turns throwing up on air. And it's better than Bald Moves coverage of Fear the Walking Dead. That would yeah, sting. You're right. I, that would you're really right. sting. Like, you can make fun <laughs> of my mispronunciation. You can talk about how I use words incorrectly once in a while. That's one thing. But compare it, you know, we can't we can't out-podcast to recovering hair. Like, they're not like former heroin addicts. They're in the midst of, re- yeah. of, of withdrawal. Withdrawing heroin addicts, yeah. They got the sweats and the shits and the vomits, and we can't out-pod. That stings, <laughs> man. Poor Zach Galifianakis. But not the pisses. They don't. They don't have the the pissing problem. That's coming right at the ass. Yeah, and it's blood. Uh, Sia says, "I know a lot of people didn't like the episode, but there were at least three significant and or awesome things that happened. Mm. One, one of our people found out what we already knew that they all come back after we die. That's important. It it is important. Yeah. Uh, two, we got introduced to what could turn out to be one of my favorite characters, the black guy, as she calls him, which." This show seems to deal with them as the black guy as well, as far as uh, how long they tend to survive. <laughs> mm. uh, she says, I think he may want to work with Nick instead of using him. He's a unique character who I want to see more of. Couldn't agree more about that final statement. You're right. The guy has not, doesn't even have a name yet. We're calling him a tuxedo man. Mm-hmm. You got to have a name before you die, right? I don't know. It makes it easier to kill you if you don't have <sighs> got a name. It's true. And number three, the scene of Daniel standing in front of the stadium holding the 2,000 walkers was scary as hell. It's a herd that we will probably see in the finale. I hope so. If they don't show us you got such a herd, this herd, I, for six seasons now, yep. it's been, I've just Slow been teased, teased yep. over and over. I, I want to see it, man. <laughs> I have blue eyeballs. I can't wait. I can't wait for the live watch of you getting <laughs> getting your... Getting your your horde. There will be celebration. Your herd. That or the zombie. And I am good mm. to go. Uh, and finally, Z Derek. The nation gave you your zombie. You're not going to get a better zombie than that. You're right. You're right. Uh, Derek. Uh, well, Dawn of the Dead gave me a zombie quite mm. a while ago, back in the 2000s. Uh, Derek in Minnesota says uh, When the show was announced, Cobalt was slated for the series title instead of Fear the Walking Dead. I don't think it's been discussed on the show yet, but how about the possibility of the two shows merging together eventually? Yeah, that's interesting to trivia because we talked about that yesterday. That, like, as I was, you know, um, I forget what I was doing. I was working on my notes or something, and I was like, really, I was like, Cobol was the code name for this show. Yeah. I don't know. Well, well, that tells you something about where their head was at when they were developing it, right? Yeah. This was clearly the end game, the end game, at least for that first season. Yeah. So Cobalt was the operation, and that's why yeah. that you know we talked about what an odd hurry they've been to get through to this point. Uh huh. So yeah, it does tell you where the head's at. Hmm. I don't know, man. Because here's the thing: if they merge the shows together, you either have a massive flash forward uh, for this show, which yeah. is already going to be a, a tough sell, or how else could you? I don't. That's the only way you have to have. I mean, you could show things that are obviously happening so i so you because have it's not like you I, have I, a temporal and spatial problem here right yeah because the walking dead's only yada yada through like one particular tough harsh georgian winter yes so they're kind of been telling more or less a story in real time but they're years ahead so that's unless, what i'm saying unless we're going to get like 
I don't even know how you could do it because you can't go back and film scenes with Carl being young again. No, they it's would not have to. Work. They would have to. There'd be have to be a jump forward in time, a big jump, <laughs> several years. Maybe they both. And maybe, then it, maybe it, they both jump forward in time. And they'd have to get them to Atlanta. And then why? Who cares? It's just another Where'd Walking Atlanta people Dead. People go to, to LA. either way. It's all the same show now. And I mean. What's yeah. the point of having two series set in the same, not only universe, but location? Well, you get the tax breaks from the good people of the state of Georgia. Just put 24 episodes in a season and call it a day then. <laughs> and have yeah. one show. I I can't see, like, I think it would be cool in some ways, but almost impossible to do. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's cool. The, the, the Walking Dead is the story of Rick and Carl. It's Prince, it's a modern Prince Valiant. So I think there could be interesting things with, specific characters okay that they could integrate into the walking dead in certain ways i'm not going to mention because they're spoilers are we going to do a spoiler section because we've been we've been threatening to talk about this for the last two weeks i think we should do one yeah why not okay spoiler section for this podcast only Mm -hmm. at the end after the music we'll we'll talk about stuff from the other books and some of the comic books and etc okay sounds good. which will never happen in a million years is any of this going to (laughs) happen don't get your hopes up but we're going to talk about it because why not all right, well, that's it for emails then. Oh, I think okay, we're ready, ready for right now. Spoilers. Yep. Uh, well, if you'd like to send in emails, if you have some thoughts and opinions, bring it, bring it strong. Send it to watching dead, watching dead at baldmove.com. You can go to our forums at forums.baldmove.com. There's a thread right there for the episode uh, where you can debate with your fellow friends and call me and Jim out. Sure. We'll have to call us out on. Uh, all right, that's it. We'll see you guys next week. You know, if you're a, premium member during the episode if you're yeah. not afterward for the instant cast until then i'm jim i'm aaron see you in the spoilers with the spoiler section so i'm gonna talk a little bit about this spoilery character called negan 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 whatever <laughs> no one cares uh people have been suggesting that maybe daniel will morph into negan 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 whatever is there any possibility and is that interesting i don't know it's a way different character but we've also talked about how they can't really do a comic book version of negan and with all his cursing yeah like that's his one of the defining traits is he's vulgar okay vulgar is a bald move podcast yeah so it's a totally different character but then again the governor was pretty much a different way different character than the governor from the comic books so Mm. i don't know here's the thing would it be cool it seems like kirkman doesn't like doing his comic books like i don't know whether it's because it's boring to him or he thinks it's more interesting for us, or why he does it. But we have a solid body after five seasons that he does not like to just straight up tell. Straight up telling the story was a hallmark of the Darabont years. Uh, so he's going away from that, progressively more and more away. So would it appeal to him to zig from that trajectory and bring a Daniel to fruition as the governor? Maybe. I'm not not as good as Negan. Negan. Yeah, maybe. I, I still think you have a lot of, you know, temporal and geographical problems to deal with. Um, may I would say maybe if this was like a two season arc, you could get away with that. 
Like Daniel just disappears well, after Moyer. season two. Moyer would be a good Negan. Oh, well, that's interesting. We don't ever see him die. He got overrun and like abandoned by his. Yeah, I'm sure. I feel he like is. he's going to come back as a walker. I'm sure it's supposed to believe that this Travis is going to be the one who can put him down. Who survived yeah. people shooting at him is going to be overwhelmed in a dark library. And, and, and Travis can't kill Kimberly, but he can certainly kill Moyers. Like sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. So, but that type, that cocky, yeah. Uh, you know, certain type of animal intelligence that would that would be more to my eye. But I I honestly don't know how Negan's going to look on the screen. Sure. Because I, you know, I guess like Abraham and Rosita and Eugene are essentially screen accurate replicas of their character, their comic book self. So I can't even say categorically that he never just completely follows what something is in the comic books. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I doubt it. My gut, my gut feeling is I doubt it. I doubt that they merge those yeah. in any kind of way. I just can't see it happening with the differences in setting and time in these two shows. It's I don't know how they'd make the connection. A very special Christmas episode. Oh God. Where Daryl goes out west for some damn thing. Comes he, back with Negan. And he meets he meets the crew and and they, they share Christmas together and teach him what the real meaning of giving and sharing is. <laughs> and then he takes that message back to Georgia. Uh on his SS Harley. <laughs> <laughs> no he's got a he's got a bike that's 100 percent less racist at this point i think he does yeah believe, that yeah. he's built himself practically sure uh yeah it's a gay man's motorcycle it's as far yeah. away as you can get from a white supremacist bike that i think you can get without warping back around the national uh socialism i think you're right <laughs> all right that's it i mean neither of us apparently think this is gonna happen I think it's a long shot, but it's kind of a neat idea in some ways. It would be. Well, let me ask you this. Like, let's say that The Walking Dead continues to be wildly popular and people get sick of the fear of The Walking Dead. Okay. I wonder if the temptation, like if there is like a breakout character from this, like a Madison, if they would yeah. find a way to force her onto The Walking Dead. That's such a bad that idea. That is the better. No, I don't actually think if you're going to shit can the no. show and you got a decent character in The Walking Dead, what is one of the things The Walking Dead struggles with? Keeping replacing their existing characters with interesting fill-ins. Well, if you've got a character that's already fully fleshed out, you just parachute her in this new show. So, okay, so I'm picturing like the final shot of fear the walking dead like they've canceled it two and a half seasons in she's on top of the rocky mountains looking east looking east down a highway and there's a sign that says atlanta four thousand miles the, what, the, atlanta, the entire west coast miles. is just burning behind her like uh -huh. it's frodo coming out of of uh the 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 val whatever the fuck i can't the Kaz kazakh doom that's a sure yeah tower uh, of joy sure he's he's walking away from the tower of joy i'm not gonna be able to help you here <laughs> I'm mixing up Game of Thrones shit in there, too. Yeah, I don't even know. Mount Doom. Yeah. yeah. Mordor. Jesus. Right. He's, she's, she's, she's coming out of Mordor, and the sun's shining on the state of Georgia from the top of yeah. uh, the Rocky Mountains. And she's got a chainsaw on her back. I like it. I can see that. She has a chainsaw for a hand. Why not? Just okay. go all the way. <laughs> if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know how you'd make it work. If you can't make it work for Negan, I don't know how you'd make it work with any of these characters. Hmm. it's just too much how about nick the distance to cover in this nick on the walking dead i i don't know i won't you don't even need to explain to me how he got to georgia <laughs> i could make up my own story 
Yeah. You have a comic book series of Nick on the Road, how he, all the misadventures. Webisodes. Webisodes. All the misadventures he had going from, you know, Vegas (laughs) to Phoenix to. How many cufflinks he had to trade. My God. (laughs) You wouldn't believe it. If he learned one thing. Tuxedo Man and Nick. Perfect. Like Tuxedo Man's main, you know, Nick is his Robin to Tuxedo Man's Batman. But yeah, they just, they just, they walk to Earth and they trade cufflinks. Yeah, he's also got a nice set of shiny shoes. Those might be the next to go. Oh, and and they put him right front. That those are check off shoes at this point. <laughs> All Dead right, man, shoes. I, I, that's it. That's it. we have nothing. Apparently, we have nothing more to discuss. I, that's that is that is apparent. All right, cool. We'll see you guys next time. All right, bye bye.